Welcome to the Revival Method Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps that you can take to start moving, thinking, and feeling better. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Revival Method Podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Parker, and today we're going to be covering the very first pillar of the Revival Method, which is creating the ideal program for you so it is in line with your lifestyle preferences, but also you achieve the goals that you actually set for yourself. I see it time and time again. People start with these super vague or ambiguous goals, or they pick a goal that they're not really tethered to just to get halfway through the process, lose motivation because that's human nature. Then they ask themselves, am I really getting the results that I'm looking for? Then the one they're going to say no, just to stop and restart again a couple months later. This is the vicious cycle that I hope to stop with this four-step framework that I'm going to give to you because I, I hate to see people get weaker and weaker and more confused on as to why they can't get to where they want to go. Now, before we get into the framework, I do want to keep this question in the forefront of your mind. Ask yourself this when creating this program. Can I do this program for a very long time consistently? The answer is no. Then either the program's way, way too aggressive for you, or it's just not aligned with your lifestyle preferences, and that's okay. That's why we ask these questions to tweak it to make sure that it is perfect for you. This framework is probably going to get you 80% along the way, but it's going to require some effort on your end. You're going to need to you're going to need to take the time to not only add the specific um, the specific details that you would need to make this program yours, but also you got to be honest with yourself, right? If you rush through this process, you're just going to have another cookie cutter program, right? Take the time, be honest with yourself. So what is step number one? Creating a goal that's specific and measurable. The reason why we do this is we need to create clarity because if you're, if you're walking down a dark tunnel with no light, you don't know if you're making any progress. You don't know if you're walking in the right direction. But with that clarity, there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel, and you know you're actually going to be walking in the right direction because you're getting closer, right? Our body will always specifically adapt to the stresses we place on it, whether it be bone, muscle, ligament, tendon. It all adapts accordingly to the stresses that we place on it. So if you have osteoporosis, we want to focus on weight-bearing exercises. If you have a weak lower back, weak enter body part here, we want to pick an exercise that places tension on that area in a tolerable dose so we can build strength over time. Now, let's say you have an ambiguous goal. Let's say you just want to be able to play with your kids without you throwing out your lower back. Okay. Think about some of the activities that you do when playing with your kids. A very common one is picking them up off the floor. If you look at the motions that you do when picking them up off the floor, you have to, you'll find the similarity that it is a hinge pattern. It is a form of a deadlift. By simply looking at that and then understanding that your kid is probably somewhere underneath 70 pounds, if we were to build your lower back's ability to lift 70 pounds off the floor, the chances of you throwing your lower back out when picking your kid up is going to be rare. Very, It's going to be much less likely. So that's how you would take an ambiguous goal 
look at the physical activities that are within that ambiguous goal and start preparing the body accordingly. Once you get a specific goal down that you actually care about, next you have to answer these questions. When, where, how much, and how long? Let's start off with the time commitment that you want to commit to this goal. Go ahead and close your eyes. Think about the most hectic, most absolute chaotic week of your life, whether it be, uh, you know, there's a deadline at work, kids need to be picked up early from school, food's not on the, uh, the dinner's not on the table. Um, you know, you, you fill in the blanks here. Make sure that in your mind, you're like, wow, I really don't have a lot of time for anything other than life itself. Good. That's what I want you to focus on. Then ask yourself, how much time on the, those types of weeks will I have to dedicate towards this goal? The reason why I want you to think this way is because most people either use a hectic week as an, as an excuse to not work towards their goals or, uh, or and once you start to build this habit of showing up for yourself, you can always just add more days to your routine and it's a big old pat on the back versus if you start big and start taking days away, you're going to start feeling like you're failing yourself because you're not meeting your expectations. So once you pick a bare minimum, non-negotiable amount of time that you want to, to dedicate towards this goal, then I want you to take a moment and think about performing these exercises. Where are you going to do it? Is it at a gym? Is it at home? Think about the, the different factors that interplay with each one of those. If it's at a gym, how long is the commute going to be? Is it going to be a half an hour? Is that a half an hour that you didn't consider? Are you going to be doing at home where there's kids, there's dogs, there's other spouses, there's television, all these other distractions? Can you work out in that type of environment? When you take the time and truly visualize yourself doing the activity, you're going to run into roadblocks mentally before you actually physically have to encounter them. So you can go ahead and tweak the program again and avoid these roadblocks altogether. Also, the psychological component to this is when you go through these routines, like at least these two types of visualizations, you're going to be much more likely to do it. When you follow it up here, your body tends to follow along as well. So this small activity has multiple benefits for it, and it, I don't want you to rush through it. Really try to think about all the odds and ends, all the potential roadblocks that you might encounter and see if we can preemptively get rid of them. After you visualize where you are doing this activity and we start to think about potential roadblocks, we're going to do a thing called removing the friction. Friction is simply any type of roadblock that you run into, either mentally or physically, that tries to prevent you from doing the planned activity. This can be like, let's say your planned activity is to do exercise at home, but every time you see that remote control, you want to throw on your favorite television. That could be a distraction for some people, but you can also utilize that as an incentive. You can say, I'm only going to do this routine when I'm watching my favorite show. Now, it's like the carrot or the stick. Well, you're giving yourself a carrot while doing this exercise. You get to watch your favorite show and your, your body's benefiting from the exercise you're doing. So there's a couple things that we can do in that, but that's for a whole different podcast, a whole different episode. 
once we start to remove some of the friction, right? Like let's hide the remote. Let's either, um, let's, yeah, let's hide the remote. Let's make sure we're doing this exercise in an area where there's no screens, no other people to distract us. We can then talk about the specifics or the specific movements that we're going to be doing during these small amounts of uh, time that we dedicated to the plan, right? Let's go back to that example that we were talking about with picking your kid up off the floor. We, we already said that it's, it's similar to a deadlift or a hinge pattern. And if we were to build a strength upwards of around 70 to 80 pounds off the ground, chances of you hurting your back is slim to none. Okay, well, let's definitely add that to the routine. Let's add some type of hinge pattern, whether that be uh, a deadlift, a Romanian deadlift, or maybe even a glute bridge. So I understand that a deadlift might be hurting some people's lower back. Understanding how you can regress some of the stress of that exercise. So instead of it being a level four, it's only a level two. You can then start to build your way back to a movement of picking your kid off off the floor. So once you pick an activity that's similar to the movement you're trying to achieve, all you would need to do is consistently do that movement over a long period of time and make sure that it's always challenging and you will eventually adapt and overcome and achieve that goal. But I always say, if you're already doing a movement, why not cover all your bases and treat your body as a whole? Here's a simple framework that I want you to follow, which is going to be kind of, uh, it's a framework that you would use to cover your whole body, which is going to be a push, a pull, a hinge, and a squat. So in the example I just used of picking your kid off the floor, that's already a hinge. So you just need to pick three more movements that fit that uh, categorization. So a push is anything that you're pushing a resistance away from you. That's a push up. That is a bench press. That's an overhead press. I think you get the point. A pull is the opposite. So pulling resistance towards you. That is a pull up. That is a roll or a row. That is a lateral raise. And then you have your hinge patterns, which I kind of already covered already. And then you have your squats, which is going to be your squats, your lunges, your step-ups, things of that nature. Once you fit one exercise of each one of those categories, you have basically all your bases is covered, right? Like you are covering your body as a whole. You are now developing strength and mobility through the what I would consider the pivotal or the foundational movements of our body. Once you figure all that out, and I will also say that I'll add a playlist to the show notes here. So you can just click on that and you can figure out what a hinge is, what a squat is, what a push and a pull is. Cause I know how that could be new vocabulary to some people. You can now do the fun stuff. This is the question I get almost every time I post something is, Sets, reps, and weight. How many times should I do this? How many sets? How many reps? Well, I'm going to give you the framework to think through where you no longer have to ask that question. I'm going to free you from the bounds of social media bro science, if you will. So let's start off with repetitions. Repetitions used to be this thing where if you want to build strength, you have to stay underneath five repetitions. If you want to build endurance, you have to be above 20 position, uh, tw above twenty repetitions. And if you want to build muscle, 
you have to hit this magic rep range around 12 to 10 to 12 repetitions. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. We know in modern day uh, research that we can build muscle in any rep range as long as we are challenging ourselves to the point of near failure. So if you're in a rep range of, let's say, 10 to 15, and you get to, let's say, the 12th rep, and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I can get to 15th, chances are you're building muscle. So what do you go off of to pick a rep range that's good for you? First and foremost, I want you to pick a rep range that's good to your body. If you feel like a, a weight is way too heavy for your joint health, like you're like, oh, this really hurts my elbow, lessen the weight up the reps. If you feel like you are doing way too many repetitions and it's making your joints achy, what you can do instead is up the weight and lower the repetitions. See, you can just play around with this because as long as you're pushing yourself to a point where you're feeling really challenged, then you're going to be building muscle. The other criteria that I want you to consider is what is your goal? If your goal is to pick something off the floor that weighs a certain amount of weight, then we should be trying to gear our activity towards that goal. So if your goal is to build 70, uh, build up to the point of lifting 70 pounds off the floor, well, then we need to make sure that we're on the heavier side of things to make sure we get to that point of strength. And then we can start focusing on the endurance aspect of it. Once you start playing around with the repetitions, I would say, generally speaking, start with 10 to 12 and just you, you can go higher or lower accordingly. And then we can start talking about sets. View sets, or if you don't know what sets are, it's the amount of rounds you would complete the exercise. I want you to view sets as what is the least amount of rounds that I would need to perform to completely exhaust the range of motion that I'm challenging. When you view it like this, two good things happen. One, you're going to make sure that you are being very effective with the least amount of uh, movement or least amount of sets possible. So you don't overdo it, but you're also, you're, you're, you're going to be mentally engaged with the movement. You're going to be thinking to yourself, did I get the most out of this when doing this exercise? So we already talked about reps. We're going to pick a repetition range that not only fits our goals, but also fits our body's preferences. So we're not getting any aches or pains. Then we're going to pick the amount of rounds that we need, the, the minimum rounds that we need to get that area that we're challenging to an exhaustion point. And then last but not least, my cat here is going nuts with the, the scratch board here. One second. Ash. But last but not least, we're going to be talking about our the amount of weight that we would be using with each of our exercises. Remember this. Weight is only a means to intensify the exercise you are doing. If you are doing a body weight exercise and it's challenging, don't add any weight. Continue to do this exercise. Continue to add repetitions to it until you feel the need to intensify the movement you are doing. So as a quick recap, let's go ahead and go through the four steps that you would follow to build the perfect program for you. So step one, find a goal that not only is very meaningful to you, 
but also it's something that's very clear and specific. Once you have that step done, you're going to move on to asking yourself, what is the bare minimum non-negotiable amount of time that I can dedicate towards this goal? Then you're going to visualize all the potential roadblocks that would come in your way when trying to do this activity. And we will try to strategize or strategically remove those roadblocks so you don't have to physically encounter them when you start this program. And then step number three, we're going to pick those movements that are specific to our goal and also potentially pick exercises that will strengthen the body as a whole as well. And then step number four, it's simply just adding sets, reps, and weight, which realistically, if you just stick with one to two sets, let's say 10 to 12 reps, and then tweak from there, you're going to get the job done. You can't do this wrong as long as you are picking something that you can handle for the long run and stay consistent with. Don't overthink this. Action is always going to beat perfection. And if I'm being honest, even though I said we're build, building the perfect program, there's no such thing as perfect. Perfect is something that is going to be flexible and something that can change according to your predicament and your circumstances. So I really hope this has given you at least some clarity on how to build a program in a way that's going to be beneficial to you achieving your goals. If you have any questions, remember we have a Facebook group. It's free. It has all the resources that you would need to achieve the goals that you're looking to achieve. It's mobility made simple. Uh, well, technically it's the revival method, colon, the mobility made simple. And from there, we answer all the questions that we can in there. We also host online trainings where we cover a topic in depth live so you can ask questions as well.